as we peruse all things Potter. Hello and welcome to Wizard Studies. I'm Audrey. And I'm Katie. And today we are talking all about the best bromance in the series, Dean and Seamus. <laughs> so we're going to start this episode off talking about Dean for a little bit, kind of going through a few sections on him. Then we're going to talk about Seamus and then we'll wrap it up with a little bit on them as a friendship (laughs) their friendship or a couple (laughs) or a couple however you choose to ship them yeah so i'm just gonna start out talking a little bit about dean's name so it derives from the surname dean which in old english or middle english means valley and it can also come from a person who is either the dean in a cathedral or someone who worked for the dean so i mean it's not a hidden meaning there but i did see that his name in the original 40 was gary yes he is one that's been changed is much better (laughs) yeah i agree and then thomas is kind of another just generic surname so it's derived from the name thomas (laughs) (laughs) which comes from a greek form of the aramaic name tuomo tuoma I don't even know. (laughs) Meaning twin, and the popularity of the name in England is attributed to St. Thomas Becket, a 12th century Archbishop of Canterbury. So just kind of classic English names. Pretty standard. Usually we find a lot of meaning in the names for JK, but not really here. Not too much here. (laughs) And then, of course, Dean's house is Gryffindor. Yeah, and then his skills from Pottermore are Chaser, which I think was an interesting skill for him because, I mean, he didn't even really make the team. He was like a sub-in or like a backup (laughs) chaser. And then also we do know throughout the series that he's a good drawer. This is not listed from his Pottermore, but he's good good at drawing and he has like good handwriting because he'll make posters for Harry. I think it's mentioned a couple times. Like he makes one of him and the dragon after the first task. And I think he makes some in the first year when Harry plays his first game as Seeker. So I think that would have been a better skill for them to list, but yeah. that's just me. I don't remember ever, like, picking up on the fact that Dean was the one that made those. Yeah, also, fun fact of him being a chaser, during Harry's time at Hogwarts, he's the only male chaser we see on the Gryffindor team. The rest are all female, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> So then his hobbies are listed as supporting West Ham United, which I think is pretty cool because he was raised as a muggle. He's not muggle-born. We'll get to that later, but he was raised that way. And when we went to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, is that what it's called? The studio tour, Warner Brothers studio tour, Mm -hmm. we could see his like West Ham decorations up next to his bed in the Gryffindor boys dormitory. And Katie and I are both Chelsea fans. <laughs> West Ham is my second team because of Dean, though. Really? Okay, yes. I, didn't know that. I just think, I mean, West Ham, I'm glad it was, like, West Ham and some kind of, like, 
underdog team not, not like, like Liverpool. Manchester United or <laughs> Liverpool yeah I just think it's a cool fun fact yeah and then this also isn't a part of his fact file but I thought that this should be mentioned somewhere and I didn't really know where else to put it so we do know what his bogart is from the Lupin lesson in the as prisoner of Azkaban I almost said order of the phoenix really quickly but his bogart has something to do with a severed hand which I think is a pretty weird bogart to have <laughs> like unless you've seen a severed hand or I I don't yeah, know. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just seems pretty odd to me. Um, but both first mentions that I have for Dean and Jameis are both really short because um, I think they both happen in the first book right around this time of the sorting. So it's just Harry's like first impression of them. So his first mention comes from, like I said, it's during the sorting in the first book. And so it says, Thomas Dean, a black boy even taller than Ron, joined Harry at the Gryffindor table. And then we later learn, obviously, that like all of the boys in that year room together. And so they share a room. And I think there's also the second time we hear about him is when he's hanging up his West Ham posters and Ron mm-hmm. says something like, they're not moving? What? <laughs> and Dean's like, what do you mean? And Ron so thinks cute. soccer is really boring because it's played on the ground and not up in the sky. Okay, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> At least soccer doesn't end just when one player <laughs> does something. Yeah, I, I really want to do a Quidditch episode and just talk about the flaws of that sport and why it's really kind of a terrible sport. Yeah. For the Myers-Briggs personality types in this episode, it was the first time where I was really on my own. (laughs) I had had to assign these. Dean, I'm not super confident on. I don't know. I had trouble finding one for him. But Seamus, I think I did pretty well, so stay tuned for that. (laughs) (laughs) But for Dean, I did choose ENFP, which is the campaigner. And, I mean, I'll explain why I chose this, but I think most of it just comes from... What we know about Dean is largely, in the series, there's some stuff we know about him outside the series, but what we know about him in the series is largely just that he's like a likable, pretty popular guy. Um, So it's kind of, this personality type is kind of rooted in that. I think if we had more, like if we saw him face a little bit more adversity or something, I think I might be able to get a better personality type, but all right, I'm going to go ahead with ENFP. (laughs) So before I go on, this was also the personality type that was assigned to Ron um, by kind of the inspiration for this segment, that that um, picture of all of like 16 characters being assigned to the personality types. So if you think you've heard this before, it's because I did go through a bit of this with Ron, but I think my reasons for assigning Dean are a little bit different. So, the campaigner personality is a true free spirit. They're often the life of the party, but unlike types in the explorer role group, campaigners are less interested in their in the sheer excitement and pleasure of the moment than they are in enjoying the social and emotional connections they make with others. Charming, independent, energetic, and compassionate, the 7% of the population that they comprise can certainly be felt in any crowd. Basically, I think Dane's just a fairly popular guy. The adjectives charming, independent, energetic, and compassionate all stood out to me in this paragraph because I think those are all like really fair words to describe him. I wouldn't um, object to any of them, especially like the depiction we see of him in the movie. Like he's a good looking kid and he's always smiling. Um, And then I think in his relationships with Seamus, which we're going to talk about later, and then 
he never does anything bad to Harry. I mean, Harry hates him for a little bit because he's dating Ginny. But he seems to be like a stand-up friend and, you know, kind of just like a genuine, generally liked guy. Doesn't really like cause a lot of drama. So campaigners get along with pretty much everyone, which goes with what I was just saying, and their circles of friends stretch far and wide. Yes, we see Dean like being best friends with Seamus, but I think like he's friendly with Ron and Harry and the rest of the Gryffindor guys. Like he joins the Quidditch team, becomes friends with those people, of course has a relationship with Jenny. And then unlike Seamus, he doesn't fight with any of the other Gryffindors. He's pretty easygoing. And then campaigners are also supposed to be very emotional and sensitive. And so when they step on someone's toes, they both feel it. And I think this maybe echoed to me a little bit of Dean and Ginny's relationship. I can see him as being the more emotional and sensitive person in that relationship than Ginny. I think I'm going to talk about this later, but I think for Ginny, that relationship was like less serious than it was for Dean. And... I can see, we never saw his reaction to them breaking up, but I can see him potentially being um, very upset about it and actually like grieving it more so than Ginny does. And then going off that, speaking of relationships, in the dating phase, if campaigners can be said to tolerate such a formal process to begin with, they will show these qualities by showering their new flames with affection and will do everything they can to build a strong relationship by demonstrating their devotion and reliability by whatever means available. And I think Ginny was kind of annoyed with Dean's constant like doting over her. I mean, that is the reason that they end up breaking up even though it was Harry under the invisibility (laughs) cloak but I mean it had to have been a multiple time thing for Ginny to like lash out and break up with him for what he would probably see as a chivalrous action another quote from 16 personalities about this is that not everyone can handle the excitement occasional neediness and emotional ups and downs that this philosophy entails whether long long distance or long term mystical or physical campaigners constantly explore new ideas and improvements fantasize about future possibilities in dating this tendency to look at potential rather than the present can be self-defeating and their spontaneity makes it harder to stay focused on their end goal of a long-term relationship if their partners aren't able to reciprocate these acts of excitement and devotion campaigners will likely end up feeling unhappy and misunderstood i think this makes sense with what we know of dean and Ginny's relationship because like i said it seemed to be more one-sided with dean being more invested and Ginny not reciprocating those feelings. And so I can see why that would, even though we also know that Ginny wasn't really happy in the relationship, I can see how Dean may have um, not have been happy because Ginny wasn't really super great to him. (laughs) And then strengths for campaigners are that they are curious, observant, energetic, and enthusiastic excellent communicators, know how to relax, very popular and friendly. So I think the first few go go along with being raised in a muggle household and then coming to Hogwarts and like learning about magic. Like he didn't even know magic was a thing before he came to Hogwarts really. And I would imagine he was very curious and enthusiastic upon learning about that, um, at least at the beginning of his time at Hogwarts. And I also think he clearly knows how to relax way more than Harry and the trio. 
but that may be just because he doesn't have a huge burden of saving the entire world on his shoulders. And then finally, the weaknesses for this personality type are that they have poor practical skills, find it difficult to focus, overthink things, get stressed easily, are highly emotional and independent to a fault. I don't really have anything to comment on this just because I feel like we don't see Dean really in conflict. Like, we don't know his weaknesses because he's kind of just always like a happy-go-lucky guy, like going with the flow and most of the time just a background character. Yeah, so speaking of Dean as a character and how he is a background character, it wasn't always planned to be that way. So Audrey had mentioned that he was, his name was originally Gary, which I'm really glad she changed it to Dean, especially with how hot the actor ended up being. (laughs) Like him being Gary would not be a good fit. Whoa, harping on all the Garys out there. (laughs) I'm so sorry if your name is Gary, but I think just Dean works so much better. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) And then also, I don't really remember what the source was on this, but I read somewhere that in the UK version, some of the first UK versions of the book, his name and his, like, the first mentioned sentence that I read out was cut from the first book um, to make it a little bit shorter, and it was kept in the US copies, and I know that it's in my U.S. copy, so if you have a U.K. version of the book and Dean is not mentioned in that first part, please let us know to see if this is actually correct or if this is just fake news. <laughs> and then he, so he was originally supposed to be kind of like a Neville-level character. Sorry, that just rhymed. A oh, Neville-level. <laughs> a Neville-level character. Like, he was supposed to be kind of part of that. Silver the trio. silver, yeah, the silver and gold trios, golden trios, because he was supposed to be in the chapter of the Midnight Duel in the first book with Neville, Harry, and Ron to take on Draco. I'm not sure if he was supposed to be there or just kind of be a character leading up to the duel, but he was originally in that chapter and in that part of the book. And then, so she cut him out quite a bit in the first book, and I think that's what led to him not being like a bigger character later on in the books. But she did tell Christopher Columbus, the director of the first two books, that she um, wanted them to cast a good actor for Dean because he might have a bigger role later on in the books. So they wanted to make sure they had a capable actor picking him or playing him. And she also felt bad for cutting him out so much that he she wanted to make sure that his character was still included in kind of a good part of the films. Capable, aka. <laughs> Very attractive. Very good looking. He's just a little... I mean, he's like a cute little boy. Yeah, in Order of the Phoenix is kind of the first time where you're like, Okay. (laughs) And and then, um, like I mentioned, he was kind of supposed to be the level of character as Neville was, kind of that um, instrumental in the series. I would have loved to see that, I think. Me too. It would have added, like depth to his character of course and I just wonder like really why did she cut it you know yeah even if he's not included in stuff in the first like book because they cut it for space I think she totally still could have like included him as bigger in the later books and I would have been like oh he's coming out of nowhere because like yeah Luna comes out of nowhere you know yeah and I think like it's so interesting to think about Dean as a character because 
I think that him and Harry and him and Ron and just everybody in that dormitory, I kind of, I've kind of talked about this before, but more in regards to like with Hermione and the girls that she, she shared a dormitory with. I feel like they have to be like such good friends that we never really see throughout the series. Because mm. I mean, they live together. They spend so, like they have all classes together because all the Gryffindors in yeah. the same year have class together. So it's just kind of interesting thinking about what their relationship was really like that we don't see. Right, it's unrealistic that Harry only is friends with Ron and Hermione. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, he's friends with Dean and Neville and Seamus, but it's unrealistic that there wouldn't ever arise the time where, like, he's hanging Hanging, out with Dean. Yeah, or studying together. Yeah. Which is just weird. (laughs) (laughs) Something just popped in my mind, but I think I'm going to wait to talk about it in the Dean Seamus section. Okay. Um, but JK does have quite a bit of background information on Dean that she had planned on using to kind of further his character how she originally planned to be a little bit bigger part in the series but she just never found a place to really put it and I kind of understand that but also you like the books are so long to begin with just add like a new like a more pa- like one more paragraph or something know, you know what I mean it made a difference yeah so we know that what we hear from the series is that his father walked out on him and his mother when he was quite young, and his mother is a muggle. So throughout the entire series, he doesn't know whether he's a muggle-born or whether he's a half-blood because he has no idea whether his father was a wizard and neither does his mother. So we get some kind of, J.K. Rowling has this extra background information on his family life. So we know that his father was actually a wizard in the canon. But like I said, throughout this series, Dean doesn't know whether he's a half-blood or not. It's mentioned in the seventh book when he's on the run from the Death Eaters. He's like, I don't know if I'm a mudblood or not. So I just am being cautious. Because wow, if I don't know. Mudblood <laughs> well, casually <laughs> there. I'm so sorry. I did it muggle-born. Um, so, like, he just operates under the impression that he might be a muggle-born and so goes on the run for safety. Because if he doesn't know that he doesn't know that, like, other people might. You know what I mean? If they don't have records and such. And so, Dean had no idea that he was magical until he got his letter. Kind of like Harry. So, I think it would be really cool to hear about, like, the instances of magic that he shows. Because we see it a little bit with Harry and how he can, like, jump really high. How his hair always grows back. You know what I mean? So, I think it would be really cool to see how Dean and his mother kind of rationalize. Because the Dursleys knew. And they, like, hid it from Harry. You know? They kind of helped that narrative of, no, it's just these weird things. But Dean's mother didn't. So, it would be really interesting to hear about like how he showed magic and how his mother reacted to it i want like her his mother's account of it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like her baby's doing this weird shit like, ah. <laughs> that would be really funny but more information on his father we know that he actually left or this is from jk so jk says his father left because he wanted to try and keep the family safe because this was during the first the rise of Voldemort at the first time, so back when Harry's parents died. And so we know that he was against Muggleborn, so his father actually left to keep them safe and separate from the wizarding world. And also because the Death Eaters had approached Dean's dad to join them, and he refused. So, mm. But then we find out he was killed just shortly after he went on the run. So he really did abandon his family, but we don't know. I assume he was killed by Death Eaters because he refused to join them. 
I wonder if his dad was a Gryffindor, because that seems like a very that Gryffindor seems move very to Gryffindor-y. like just sacrifice like your relationship with your family so that they can be safe. Yeah, and it's just really heartbreaking that Dean never knows this, and his mother never knows this, and so they just think that they're like Dean's just Dean operates under the assumption his entire life that his father just didn't want to have a son basically he wanted to leave the family so it's really heartbreaking when you actually think about it and i'm not exactly sure how jk had planned on working this in whether dean was going to know this already or whether somebody was going to tell dean or whether this was going to be off screen and dean was never going to find out this information but i think that that's really heartbreaking and then, like I said, he operates under the assumption throughout the entire series that he probably is a muggle-born. He never knows for sure that he is a half-blood. He also has some muggle half-siblings, so his mother remarried. I, From what I could figure out, I'd say pretty, like, when Dean was pretty young. At least, like, when he was still at home when this happened. And he has a couple half-siblings. I got some different sources on how many they were and what genders they were. So I'm not 100% sure on that. And then I was wondering if they know about his magic or whether they just think that Dean leaves to go to boarding school every year. I we I think I would assume that they know about the magic because if you're married to someone, keeping secrets is never a good thing. But you never know. <laughs> At least that's what I'm told. I feel like they must <laughs> Also, I was just thinking about, it's kind of interesting how, like, his father went on the run from the Death Eaters, and then you have the parallel where he goes on the run in book seven. So, yeah. So, just interesting that he kind of became like his father. Just, I, this storyline ended up being, like, um, unexpectedly sad and heartbreaking. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so we do know that J.K., she had said something about how she would plan for this information to come out in Chamber of the Secret chamber of secrets again i don't really know how or when but that was the original plan and then i was like if you have all of this extra information it sounds to me the impression that i'm under that she has more even than what i just read out yeah where is the ebook on dean thomas <laughs> i would love that <laughs> yeah i just think that i don't understand why she just just doesn't give us this information if she has it Like, I guess it takes work to write these things. (laughs) (laughs) But if you already have the story, I I always talk about how, like, J.K. Rowling blesses us with the information that she Mm. wants to. But just give me all of it. Give me more. <laughs> Basically, I will pay for it. I will, yes. Like, and I'm not even saying do it as a money grab. Like do it for Lumos, her charity. Yeah. And I will pay for it. Yeah. Or like I want her because the lexicon that's out there in Harry Potter is not like J.K. run. It's run by yeah. other people. I would love to ha- have like just a full lexicon on her, from her. Right, because Pottermore is not full. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where Pottermore was headed at the very beginning, because that's when she released all like all of the writings that are on Pottermore came out at once, and so that was really interesting to read. And then the ebooks kind of came out not that long afterwards. But Pottermore has turned into more of like a BuzzFeed style, like with lists. It's just repurposing the same info. Yeah, I mean they don't give us any new information. It's just like. 10 reasons why loving a Hufflepuff is the best, you know, just stuff like that. And then there's one article, I was looking up, like, stuff for Seamus and Harry's relationship, and there's one article that's, like, entitled, Harry and Seamus is falling out. So I click on it, and it's literally just the part of Order of the Phoenix, just word for word quoted out. I'm like, there are so many things like that. What what is the purpose of this? Can I work for Podmore? Is that all the work you have to do? Just copy and transcribe parts of the book. (laughs) 
give it a title. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I would love to see an ebook on Dean Thomas. And again, I'm not ruling out that it's never going to come out because we do know. I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but Pottymore is going to have to be paid for like they're doing this whole revamp and they're combining Pottermore with Warner Brothers a little bit more and that's where like the passport came from they're kind of half already moving over to the other website and it's going to be paid for now and we don't really know how that's going to look but if I'm paying money I better get some new fucking content that's all I'm saying and not this bullshit that we keep seeing from Pottermore so also, this may have already happened by the time this episode comes <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what the timeline for it is. I will pay for the quizzes, though, because <laughs> I do love, love me quizzes. so quizzes. There's the really long one that came out on the anniversary of Philosopher's Stone being released. Yeah, I, I think that's what it that. was. I haven't done that yet, but I really want to, and I might do it right after we're done recording. Again, this is probably so lit because we're recording this dance, <laughs> but anyways... All right, so moving on to Dean and Ginny's relationship, which I talked about a little bit before, but I'm just going to go through it. So at the end of Order of the Phoenix, Ginny reveals that she's dating Dean while on the Hogwarts Express with Harry, Ron, and Hermione. And it's after her and Michael Corner have broken up. And then he has gotten with Cho, and Ron's like, what? I thought you were dating him. And... (laughs) Ginny's like, no, I'm actually seeing Dean Thomas right now. And then on the next we hear about it is on the Hogwarts Express back to school in Half-Blood Prince, and Ginny leaves Harry to go find Dean. And Hermione and Ron have left for the prefix carriage, so like Harry ends up with Luna and Neville. <laughs> and Harry's like already this is when Half-Blood Prince is like they refer to Harry's like love for Ginny and it's like the lion yeah it's like a, a monster it's referred to as like a little monster in his stomach and I think this might be like one of the first times that is said explicitly or something which I think is so funny so they remain together Ginny and Dean remain together for much of Half-Blood Prince um Ron catches them kissing at one point Ron and Harry do and I'm just gonna read it from the from the book here because I think this is a really funny scene. <laughs> so it um, this is after Ron, Ron and Harry are walking back up from Quidditch practice, and of course Dean and Ginny were also walking back up from Quidditch practice because this was when Dean was on the team. And it says, when Harry pushed open the tapestry to take their usual shortcut up to Gryffindor Tower, however, they found themselves looking at Dean and Ginny, who were locked in a close embrace and kissing fiercely as they glued together. <laughs> It was it was as though something large and scaly erupted into life in Harry's stomach, clawing at his insides. Hot blood seemed to flood his brain so that all thought was extinguished, replaced by a savage urge to drink Steen into jelly. <laughs> Wrestling with this sudden madness, he heard Ron's voice as though from a great distance away. Oi! Dean and Jenny broke apart and looked around. What? said Jenny. I don't want to find my own sister snogging people in public. This was a deserted quarter till you came butting in, said Ginny. Dean was looking embarrassed. He gave Harry a shifty grin that Harry did not return, as the newborn monster inside him was roaring for Dean's instant dismissal from the team. Er, come on, Ginny, said Dean. Let's go back to the common room. You go, said Ginny. I want a word with my dear brother. Dean left, looking as though he was not sorry to depart the scene. 
Right, said Ginny, tossing her long red hair out of her face and glaring at Ron. Let's get this straight once and for all. It is none of your business who I go out with or what I do with them, Ron. Yeah, it is, said Ron, just as angrily. <laughs> do you think I want people saying my sister's a... Uh, a what, shouted Ginny, drawing her wand. A what, exactly? He doesn't mean anything, Ginny, said Harry automatically, though the monster was roaring its approval of Ron's words. <laughs> oh, yes, he does, she said, flaring up at Harry. Just because he's never snogged anyone in his life, just because the best kiss he's ever had is from our Auntie Muriel. Shut your mouth, bellowed Ron, bypassing Red and turning maroon. <laughs> no, I will not, yelled Ginny beside herself. I've seen you with phlegm, hoping she'll kiss you on the cheek every time you see her. It's pathetic. If you went out and got a bit of snogging done yourself, you wouldn't mind so much that everyone else does it. Ron had pulled out his wand too. Harry stepped swiftly between them. You don't know what you're talking about, Ron roared, trying to get a clear shot at Ginny around Harry, who was now standing in front of her with his arms outstretched. Just because I don't do it in public... Ginny screamed with derisive laughter, trying to push Harry out of the way. Been kissing pigwidges, have you? Or have you got a picture of Auntie Muriel stashed under your pillow? You! A streak of orange light flew under Harry's left arm and missed Ginny by inches. Harry pushed Ron up against the wall. Don't be stupid. Harry snogged Cho Chang, shouted Ginny, who sounded close to tears, and Hermione snogged Victor Crumb. It's only you who acts like it's something disgusting, Ron, and that's because you've got about as much experience as a 12-year-old. Okay. <laughs> Sorry that was long, but Ginny's on fire during it. It's so funny. It also makes me very thankful that for once that my siblings and I are not magical because can you imagine like getting in fights with your siblings and having a wand oh my god my brother might be dead (laughs) so I just wanted to read that because I feel like that encapsulates a lot of like half-blood prints through Harry's eyes you got Ron being like annoyed at Jenny because she's dating someone and then he goes off with laughter but Harry the like descriptions of Harry being super moody whenever he sees Ginny and Dean and he he like wants to find an excuse for Dean to not be on the Quidditch team even though he knows like Dean was the next best chaser and they need him so I just thought it was a really good example and Ginny is so sassy and so funny that scene makes me feel lots different types of way (laughs) I just I mean, I find it not great that Ron always gets so angry that Ginny's dating people. But then yeah. Ginny is, like, cruel towards Ron. Like, <laughs> I think that's why I'm okay with her being cruel, though, because, like, he's Yeah. Of, no, I mean, definitely like, Ron's out of line. But I think if I were to put myself in Ron's shoes, I think he's more... Like, he gets upset every time she's dating somebody, and that's a problem. But I yeah. think he's extra upset that it's Dean and, like, his friend and somebody he, like, lives with. Who's older, too. Yeah, I feel like that... <laughs> I don't know. And then Ginny's just so mean to him. And I feel really bad for Ron. But also, like, he's being a dick in this scene. It's just all, like... And then Harry is trying to, like, on the outside, he's trying so hard to be impartial. And, like... But on the inside, he is still agreeing with the terrible things that Ron is he's saying. He's agreeing with Ron, but for the reason that he wants to be the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just... Like, everything in that scene just makes me feel a little queasy, because everybody's just being mean. It's a wild scene. I, it's not in the movie. No. 
I don't know if any ver. I don't think any version of it is in the movie. I don't think so. Like Dean and Jenny's relationship isn't really in the movies. The one thing I can think about with Ron being upset about it is him being like, "What does he even see in her anyway?" And Harry says, "She's got great skin." <laughs> Because they're in, like, they're in, like, the Hogshead or the Three Broomsticks, and they're yeah. all there, and then they see, like, Dean and Jenny making out in the corner, yeah. and Rod's like, oh my god, we have to leave. <laughs> but, yeah. Okay, well, anyway, moving on with the relationship. So, the where are they now? Oh, sorry, no, wait. I'm not, not done, done with the relationship. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't even get to the breakup. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. I had scrolled down in my notes, so I didn't see yours. Wow. Doesn't even pay attention while I'm talking. <laughs> there, sorry, there was a deer in my backyard, and so I kept on thinking of jokes like, Snape, where are you? Because it was like, a, it was a female, it was a doe. <laughs> or Lily, where are you? <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> back to Ginny and Dean's relationship. Um, Ginny would kind of get annoyed at Dean for being like, chivalrous and I think doting on her a little more than she wanted because she's kind of like, She's a badass, independent woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Harry takes the Felix Felicis to go get the memory from Slughorn, he kind of, like, he's wearing his cloak, and he knocks into Ginny on the way out of the common room when her and Dean are entering the common room, and she, of course, doesn't see Harry. And I guess this is because... I guess this is because he's taking the liquid book, but I think it's also, like, it was bound to happen eventually. Ginny lashes out, and... It's like, Dean, you don't have to continuously, like, help me into the common room. Like, I can get in myself. And then that leads to their breakup, basically, that, like, argument. Do you think Harry ever tells Ginny this? I was thinking that. I feel like down the line he must have. Because it must have come up that he, like, used it that night yeah. to get the thing from Slughorn. Do you think he ever felt guilty? Like, I know that, I mean, they get married, and so at this point it's like, oh, why does it matter? And like you said, it... I think Hermione describes that even as, like, the straw that broke the camel's back or, like, something like that, you know? But I feel like Harry should feel guilty about it. I don't know if he actually does, but I feel like he should. (laughs) I don't think he does for this reason, which is my next point, is that when Ginny and Harry get together, she says that she had never fully given up on him, so it seems like she did not actually love Dean or was super serious about him because Hermione, like kind of told her that she needed to move on and then like she would become more confident around Harry and like actually talk around yeah him and that's like why Harry ends up becoming interested in her but I think she like I think she was with Dean I was reading up on like fan theories about this because a lot of people compared her and Dean's relationship to Ron and Lavender's where it was like both of the Weasleys in those situations were pining after someone else um that they thought that they couldn't have. Or I think Ron didn't even, like, notice that he was into Hermione. But Ginny definitely knew she was into Harry, but she just, like, thought it was, like, not going to happen, really. And so I think then they both heard that someone else was, like, interested in them, Dean and Lavender, and they, like, were like, okay, like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and then at, following their breakup, I think there's a Quidditch practice describing where she seems to be, like, way more lighthearted and happy and, like, freer. That's how yeah. Harry sees it, at least. So, I just thought of this. I've been listening to, um, I'm actually all caught up on the Flash episodes of the That's Not How Science Works podcast that our friends do, and they talk, so, 
I don't think you haven't seen the Flash before, have you? No. So the main character Barry, who's the Flash, he his mom died when he was young, and his father was like blamed for it and sent to prison. So he lost both of his parents at a pretty young age, and so this dad takes him in of like one of his friends from school. I think they were like family friends or something. And Iris is the same age as Barry, so like his daughter, the guy who takes him mm-hmm. in, um, and at this point I think he's like an. I have, n- I really don't know, but it's like my guess is between ages six and ten. Like, pretty much grew up as sisters with this woman, and he's mm. had a crush on her like the whole time. Mm. And people, like, they were talking about how that's like kind of creepy because he, I mean, he basically grew up with her being his sister. I know that they're not like related biologically yeah. at all, and I don't even think that this man adopts Barry to like be his son. Yeah. And then I kind of, I think you could almost, like, maybe not as drastically equate that to Harry and Ginny. Yeah, because the Weasleys kind of, like, adopt. Yeah, do you think that that's creepy at all? Because Harry talks about, like, when he's trying to be in denial of him loving Ginny, it's like, oh, it's just because she's, like, a sister to me. Yeah, that's why he's upset about Yeah, because, I mean, he he was 11, basically, when he started spending time with the Weasleys. I mean, more, as he got older, he spent more, like winter breaks there summer there you know and Ginny was kind of like a sister but I feel like there were so many more people in the house that it whereas like Iris and Barry were the only two kids I was just wondering if that could be equated at all you know yeah no that's an interesting point I think definitely at the beginning he saw Ginny as a sister like when he saves her in chamber yeah for sure totally did and then once I think probably after Ginny had this conversation with Hermione which like side note Ginny and Hermione, like, seem to always, like, have such a good relationship, and we never get to see it, like, just the two of them, because we see it from Harry's point of view. Yeah. But I think after Ginny, Hermione tells Ginny to just, like, move on and, like, open up and stuff, I think then Harry's like, hmm. (laughs) Maybe when she hits puberty? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Um, back to Dean. So, yeah. So, in the where are they now section with Dean, um... It's very underwhelming what we know. We know nothing really about his future. All we know is that he may or may not have attended the reunion of Dumbledore's army in 2014, which we know about this because it happened during the Quidditch World Cup. And so Rita Skeeter mentions them in an article or writes an article about the reunion. Um, So it was just a couple members of Dumbledore's army back and he may or may not have been there. And that's it. We don't know. Where he goes on to live, who he goes on to marry, kids, no kids, what he does for a job. Again, where is the ebook on Jean Thomas, Joe? That's all I so, got. <laughs> wrapping up Dean, then we are going to move on to Seamus. So his name is, of course, Seamus Finnegan. And <laughs> Seamus is an Irish version of the name James, which means supplanter. One who takes the place of another, usually by force. I don't really see that fitting Seamus at all. <laughs> and then Finnegan is an Irish name that includes Finn, white, fair, and means fair-haired one. Which I guess, like, Seamus is, of course, an Irish character. He is supposed to be Irish, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, I mean, this name, I think, along with Dean, it's just pretty standard, like... This is, it's not really tied to who he is as a character, besides the fact that he's just, like, your generic Irish boy. (laughs) Pretty much. Basic Irish boy. (laughs) Yep. And then his house is Gryffindor, and his sorting takes almost a minute. 
So I wonder what other house the sword and hat could have been deciding between. I have no idea. I feel like we just don't know enough. Like the same thing with Dean. We don't know enough about their personalities. Because a lot of the scenes that they're in, they're just kind of like, oh, Seamus was there. Oh, Dean was there. We don't really know anything about them. So I I just don't think we know enough about him to make a guess. I mean, my first guess would be Hufflepuff. I don't know why that is. Just because yeah. he seems kind of like a black character. He's like, well, he's very loyal, I think. Like, to, at yeah. first, he's very loyal to, like, his mom and, mm-hmm. like, what his mom believes. And then once he believes Harry, he's, like, very loyal to Harry in yeah. Dumbledore's army. Like, he comes back to fight in the Battle of Hogwarts and stuff. Where I see that as, like, he's super brave, but I think it could be a Hufflepuff trait. I'm not sure. Yeah. Because I don't really, I really see him as being know. ambitious or intelligent. Yeah. So, again, just leftover Hufflepuff. I, I mean, <laughs> again, we talked about this. I don't really know if I have a problem with Hufflepuff house being known as just kind of like everybody else. Yeah. So then his Patronus is a fox. And the writing from Nuggle, Nuggle, Muggle Net <laughs> on a lot of the Patronuses and their meaning says... Associated with cunning, the fox has a place in many ancient cultures' folklore. Foxes are somewhat, sometimes thought to be tricksters, leading the unsuspecting down a path of demise. The calculating fox can outwit its enemies with strategy and adaptability. And this, to me, sounds like through and through Slytherin. So yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe his Patronus being a fox is telling us that, like, the hat was deciding between him and, between Gryffindor and Slytherin, but... I don't really see that in any of his character. Yeah. But, like, that description sounds exactly Slytherin. I don't really see it in in Seamus. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I feel like we just don't really know that much about them. Yeah. I feel like they're, they're, like, very close secondary characters. Like, I wouldn't even call them tertiary tertiary characters, Mm -hmm. you know, because they're there a lot of the times. They're just not the... They're not ever the star of any scene. Yeah, they're not the one having, like, a dilemma or taking charge or anything. They're usually just, like, kind of following everyone else. Yeah, like, they're in the background of a lot of scenes. I don't, I think, is it Dean or Seamus that there's, like, that meme or, like, that photo series going around that Dean is, like, always there in the background whenever Ron and Hermione have a moment? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's, like, he's in, like, two shots with it, and then the rest of them he's cropped. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Man, his skills on Pottermore are listed as pyrotechnics, um, which I kind of always saw this as a gag from the movies where they just played it up a lot. You know how in that scene in the seventh, seven part two, Hermione, or Hermione, McGonagall is like, maybe Seamus should tag along. He's very (laughs) skilled at that when he's, when she's talking to Neville about like blowing up the bridge. But I guess it does happen a little bit in the book as well. Like in the Wingardium Leviosa feather lesson, he does like catch it on fire. But then there's also the scene in the first movie where he's like, turn this water into wine and it like blows up. I think that's like kind of a gag. I if it's just a gag, like I think it is just a gag, but I love it. <laughs> it's really funny and then they kind of get away from it. It's really only in the first book. I feel like there's not really any other scenes throughout the movies or sorry, in the first movie and then they like bring it up again in like the last yeah. movie, which I think is hilarious and I love how McGonagall is aware of it. She's like, maybe you should take Seamus with you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and then he's just also, like, not the best 
wizard. Um, spells kind of don't go right with him a lot. They kind of go blow up in his face. Um, and then so in one of the deleted scenes from the movies, he offered to do undo the leg locker curse that the Petrificus Totalis um, spell that Hermione had used on Neville in the first movie when they go to the Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets, the to get the Sorcerer's Stone, he offers to undo it, and then Neville's like, "No, no, no, it's okay, no." This is said to have offended Seamus, and then he also like earlier he his eyebrows were blown off, so he talks about how like, "Don't worry, they grew back just fine," or something like that, and then. Yeah, this kind of running gag was invented by the scriptwriter or screenwriter Steve Cloves. And there it is from like the reference that I mentioned earlier where he caught the feather on fire during the Wingardium Leviosa scene. So it's interesting that this is listed as his skills on Pottermore because I mean, yeah, it's not canon. I like consider the movies non-canon except for like the things that they show from the books then like they're canon if you know that you know get what i'm saying um but i will mention that he achieved owls and charms transfiguration and defense against the dark arts i would say defense against the dark arts is thanks to mr harry potter yeah for sure (laughs) maybe like a little bit of lupin and movie (laughs) yeah um and then like i said his first mention is pretty short but it is his like most iconic line from the movies it is a little bit different in the movies i'm gonna read the movie version later so stay tuned for my impression of that but in the in the book he says i'm half and half said seamus me dad's a muggle mom didn't tell him or mom didn't tell him she was a witch until after they were married bit of a nasty shock for him which yeah <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know how I feel about That's Mrs. Like Finnegan. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how I feel about Mrs. Finnegan not letting her fiance in in that news. And was it like wedding night, like surprise? <laughs> wedding night, she like whipped out her wand. <laughs> yeah, like now that we're legally bound, guess what? <laughs> that'd be very traumatic for me i would be more upset that they kept that from me like are you fucking kidding me you made me wash all those dishes (laughs) yeah i know it sounds like a good deal although i'd be jealous but yeah all right so then on to seamus's meyer briggs personality type which like i mentioned i signed this one myself (laughs) i'm not an expert everybody i'm just interested in it so i assigned seamus the ESTP personality type, which is the entrepreneur. So entrepreneurs keep their conversation energetic with a good dose of intelligence, but they like to talk about what is, or better yet, to just go out and do it. Entrepreneurs leap before they look, fixing their mistakes as they go, rather than sitting idly, sitting idle, preparing contingencies and escape clauses. And I think Seamus, I don't know if I'm just getting this from the gag in the movie, but I feel like he can be seen as a bit reckless. And this is kind of like what this was shouting to me. I'm not that spontaneous of a person. It seems reckless to me. And I also think that this paragraph really hit home with a Gryffindor trait where it's kind of like, think with your heart, like, you know, Harry's like savior complex is just charging into things, which of course is not an all Gryffindor trait because Hermione isn't like that, but... Anyway, 
And then entrepreneurs are the likeliest personality type to make a lifestyle of frisky behavior. They live in the moment and dive into the action. They are the eye of the storm. People with the entrepreneur personality type enjoy drama, passion, and pleasure, not for emotional thrills, but because it's so stimulating to their logical minds. They are forced to make critical decisions based on factual, immediate reality in a process of rapid-fire, rational stimulus response. This makes school and other highly organized environments a, a challenge for entrepreneurs. And this reminded me of the pyrotechnics gag. <laughs> but I feel like it really makes sense, like him not being great at school and just kind of blowing things up. Probably because he wasn't really listening to directions on how to cast the spells. <laughs> Also challenging is that to entrepreneurs, it makes more sense to use their own moral compass than someone else's. So this is one of the things I think that really hit home for me with Seamus, because I think this is a developmental trait that he, like, he gets once he kind of grows up a little bit. So he comes into his own opinions and finally believes Harry about Voldemort instead of just listening to his mom. And so that's like his way of um, learning to use his own moral compass and not just relying on his mother. So we see that happen over the course of the fifth book. And then after that, he really sticks to this um, integrity. And this is what I was saying earlier, which could be kind of a loyalty trait, but he joins DA. And then when his mom tries to come and get him from Hogwarts before Dumbledore's funeral, he like yells at her and says that he's staying where we see Zachariah Smith, I think. Goes. I think so, yeah. Yeah. So, like, he he believes it's important to, like, stand by and stay for the funeral. He returns to Hogwarts in his seventh year, which, like, I can't imagine him. his mom wanted him to return. I know it was mandatory, but, like, if she didn't even want him to be there for the funeral, I can't yeah. imagine she was happy about him returning to Hogwarts. But he kind of... It seems like we don't know much about what happened at Hogwarts that year, but it seems like he fought, kind of led the fight against the Caros with Neville because when the trio sees Neville for the first time in the seventh book, um, when like they arrive at Hogwarts, Neville says they like kind of are shocked at the, how like bruised up and scarred Neville is, and Neville says, "What? This is nothing. You should see Seamus." So that kind of refers to I think that Seamus was one of the ones like leading the fight. And then, of course, he fights in the Battle of Hogwarts. So his strengths, or the personality type strengths, are bold, rational, and practical, original, perceptive, direct, and sociable. And I think the direct and bold kind of come on this, like, Seamus's big, like, storyline is how he didn't believe Harry. And he was, right away, he was, like, bold enough to tell Harry that he didn't believe him, which obviously wasn't a good thing but like he wasn't gonna like dance around it and then weaknesses would be insensitive impatient risk prone unstructured and may miss the bigger picture and defiant and I think those may refer a little bit to denying that Voldemort was back like missing the bigger picture and defying what like his friends were telling him and, like, um, I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk a little bit more about him and Harry's relationship coming up here. But first, I'm going to talk a little bit about his family. So I'm going to read that quote that I had alluded to earlier. So it's, my dad's a muggle, mom's a witch. But if it asked you to talk for him when you found out. <laughs> I took a sip of water right as you were saying that. <laughs> 
if you don't know what I'm referring to, go rewatch Philosopher's Stone. Because <laughs> that's so, room when you up. so funny. And there are like all these um, posts on, I think it's a Tumblr post that like is screenshot and reposted a bunch. It's like, it has the screen like shot of him saying that and has the words underneath and how it then like somebody replies, it's like, I literally just read that, like, how it is in the movie. And they, yeah. like, spell it out, like, all, like, no spaces between those last couple <laughs> words. Because he says it's so fast. <laughs> and I mentioned this earlier, but we don't know when she came clean. But when I had written this, I said I assume it was, it was around the time that Seamus started showing signs of magic. So I like that guess, too. Maybe she just kind of swore off magic and didn't really use it because I assume she wasn't really using much during their courtship if she kept it a secret um so (laughs) their um dating period yeah or when they went steady (laughs) um (laughs) okay i learned that phrase from saved by the bell in case anybody was wondering um so I kind of thought that maybe she came clean when Seamus started showing signs of magic to kind of explain those weird circumstances that we talked <laughs> about a little bit earlier in her in relationship to Dean. And then we know that his family is Irish and they're from Kenmare Island in County Kerry in Ireland. And he's a supporter of the Kenmare Kestrels, which is the local Quidditch team in Kenmare. Could be pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize to my Irish family. (laughs) (laughs) And like I said earlier, uh, he's from Irish. Mm. He's from Irish. (laughs) He's from Ireland. And we see this, especially during the fourth book, when they're at the Quidditch World Cup, and Carrie, Ron, and Hermione run into Seamus and his family, decked out in green (laughs) and... Very strongly supporting the, the Irish Ireland, right? team, <laughs> and I think Harry makes comment like, "Yes, we're rooting for Ireland, but I definitely wouldn't say no, even if we were to, or I definitely would say we're cheering for Ireland, even if we were cheering for Bulgaria." Yeah, I think he's like afraid of Seamus's mom. <laughs> <laughs> she seems a little intense, both from that scene and like what we hear from Seamus. So <laughs> I might be scared of her too. <laughs> okay. Um, so now I'm just going to go through a Pottermore feature, which this gets back to how we were talking about Pottermore. It's just repurposing the same information. But it's called Why Seamus Finnegan Deserves a Little Love. Now, whenever I read a Pottermore title, I think BuzzFeed article. <laughs> it's literally what it is. <laughs> okay, so it starts with Seamus had his ups and downs, but the firm friend of Harry, Ron, Neville, and Dean was a brilliant character. Here's why. So, the first reason is that he came from an unusual family situation, which is what Katie was just talking about. Um, I think that's kind of really interesting that he was like that, and I guess it adds a little bit more depth to his character. Then, it says his mother wasn't incredibly helpful. (laughs) It says, following on from Seamus' understatement of the year that his father didn't know what he was marrying into, we think it's safe (laughs) to say that Seamus' one magical parent was clearly someone he looked up to his only real guide into the wizarding world when he was growing up. I think this is a good point because we were just talking about like his mother being kind of intimidating and I mean he doesn't believe that Voldemort's back because his mother doesn't believe that so it's good to remember that like she was probably his one role model as far as like within the wizarding world and 
it makes sense that like until he's 15 or 16 he's gonna kind of just believe everything she believes but she doesn't really lead him in the right direction and then like i was talking about earlier we also know that he attended hogwarts in year seven and it probably was another argument with his mother to go back to school and then the final section here is about Dumbledore's army and the Battle of Hogwarts. So it took longer for him to join DA than the other members, but he eventually joined with gusto, as it says. And then in his seventh year, he was one of the most crucial members um, leading the charge along with Neville. And the proof of his Gryffindor courage was evidenced by his injuries, which as Neville told the trio, were inflicted when people spoke up against the teachings of the Karos. So that's what I was talking about earlier. And then he also threw himself into the thick of the fighting at the Battle of Hogwarts and saved Harry, Ron, and Hermione's lives with the help of Ernie McMillan and Luna Lovegood. Ernie Mac! Woo! <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> they're ambushed by Dementors and unable to conjure the Patronuses. So Harry later returned the favor when he cast a Protego shield charm between Seamus and Voldemort. Yep, Voldemort. You can't get any deeper into the action than that. So it, this is like after Harry kind of dies and he comes back and he's like casting shield charms between everybody. And it says that Harry casts more shield charms and Voldemort's would-be victims, Seamus Finnegan and Hannah Abbott, darted past him into the Great Hall where they joined the fight already flourishing inside it. So that's two DA members just charging straight into the fight and like Voldemort was attacking them. So they clearly weren't just like sitting back, not being a threat. Afterwards, I think it said that he was seen like sitting with Aberforth and him and Dean were sitting with Aberforth after the battle. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Seamus, although he has his hiccups along the road, I think we should appreciate him a little bit more because once he kind of joins Harry's side, like, and starts to believe things, he's like a full convert and really leads the charge and I think shows his Gryffindor side. And then we've kind of been alluding to this, but I'm going to talk a little bit about his relationship with Harry. So we know that they hit a little bit of a rough patch in Order of the Phoenix. So I'm just going to read from the book a little bit, um, their first interaction. And so Harry, Ron, Harry and Ron are going up to their dormitory for the fir- after the first night at Hogwarts at the, after the welcoming feast and like the sorting and Harry says hi Dean and asks him how his summer was and Dean says something like oh mine was good I mean it was definitely better than Seamus's and so then Neville asks Seamus why he had a rough summer so I'm gonna start about from there. Me mom didn't want me to come back. What? said Harry, pausing in the act of pulling off his robes. She didn't want me to come back to Hogwarts. Seamus turned away from his poster and pulled his own pajamas out of his trunk, not looking at Harry. But why? said Harry, astonished. He knew that Seamus's mother was a witch and could not understand, therefore, why she should have come over so Dursley-ish. Seamus did not answer until he had finished buttoning his pajamas. Well, he said in a measured voice, I suppose, because of you? What do you mean, said Harry quickly. His heart was beating rather fast. He felt vaguely as though something was closing in on him. Well, said Seamus again, still avoiding Harry's eyes. She er, well, it's not just you, it's Dumbledore too. She believes the Daily Prophet, said Harry. She thinks I'm a liar and Dumbledore's an old fool. 
Seamus looked up at him. Yeah, something like that. And so then Harry kind of goes and there's an inner monologue. And then Seamus said, look, what did happen the night when, you know, when with Cedric Diggory and all? Seamus sounded nervous and eager at the same time. Dean, who had been bending over his trunk trying to retrieve a slipper, went oddly still. And Harry knew he was listening hard. What are you asking me for, Harry retorted. Just read the Daily Prophet like your mother, why don't you? That'll tell you all you need to know. Don't have a go at my mother, snapped Seamus. I'll have a go at anyone who calls me a liar, said Harry. Don't talk to me like that. I'll talk to you how I want, said Harry, his temper rising so fast, he snatched his wand back from his bedside table. If you've got a problem sharing a dormitory with me, go and ask McGonagall if you can be moved. Stop your mummy worrying. Leave my mother out of this, Potter! What's going on? And then Ron comes in the dormitory and kind of diffuses the situation. And I think that Harry is being rather over-defensive in this moment. I think if you go back and reread kind of just what I read, Seamus, I mean, when he's first talking, he seems very kind of ashamed about it. Like, Mm. he doesn't want to tell Harry. He doesn't want Harry to know that his mom didn't. He, like, won't make eye contact with him. They said he spoke in a level voice. Like, he wasn't getting heated with Harry. And then, I mean, he does ask, like, what really happened, implying that he believes the way his mother does, that Harry is lying. So, I mean, that does set Harry off, and kind of rightfully so, but then Harry does kind of attack his mother a little bit, and I can understand where Seamus is coming from and being like, okay, like, listen, you can have a go at me, but, like, leave my mother out of this, please. (laughs) You know, I, it's just that Harry's so touchy at this point, and Seamus just, like, hits his, like, trigger word, which is Cedric, you know? Yeah. You Cedric, your boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think... I was going to say, it's so classic, the, like, mother, leave my mother out Yeah. And then, also, I feel like Harry is kind of, in this instance, like, pushing Seamus even more towards not believing him, you know? Like, he's not doing himself any favors. For sure. sassy, moody Harry. Yeah. I know, and just that dialogue, reading it out, I felt ridiculous, like, don't talk to me like that. I'll talk to you how I want. Like, it sounds so, like, juvenile and literally how me and my brother will, like, talk to each other. (laughs) Um, So, obviously, Seamus' mother believes the Daily Prophet and doesn't believe that Harry actually bought Voldemort and Voldemort is back. And so she doesn't want Seamus to be around Harry and to be around Dumbledore kind of, in in her mind, kind of, like, feeding Seamus lies. And, I mean... It's really hard for me to get mad at the public that didn't... I mean, not really hard, but if I think about it logically, like, the public that didn't believe Harry and Dumbledore, to be fair, it's literally the word of one 14-year-old. So, like, there's that to begin with. And I know that we shouldn't doubt children that we should believe them, but still. Like, even if they weren't 14, it's still just the word of one person, you know? Like, it's not this... People don't want to believe him, too. Yeah, yeah, it's that was like going to be my second like, point. I killed Voldemort. He's saying Voldemort's back. Like, it's bad news. Yeah, that was going to be my second point, that, like, people I'm don't sorry. want to... Be- no, it's okay. That people don't want to believe that he's back because he's, like, the most evil dark wizard of their time, unless they're as old as Dumbledore, you know? So, it would make life rough if Voldemort was back. and he, I mean, he is, but it sucks for them that he is back. And then, so this made for kind of a tense, at least, 
semester at Hogwarts because we do know we do know that Seamus came around and what made him came around was come around was the Quibbler article where Harry kind of like lays everything on the line and again to defend Seamus and the people that don't believe him Harry had never really gone public with his story before it was just kind of Dumbledore saying that Harry saw something it was never like directly from Harry giving a like recount of what happened that night and everything that he remembers so I mean I could see where people wouldn't believe them and the Quibble article is what when Seamus over and he joined Dumbledore's army and I was reading stuff about it and it seems like he really only went to one meeting and the meeting that he went to was the one that gets disrupted by Dolores Umbridge so that's rough (laughs) that's rough Seamus (laughs) <laughs> and then another point that just kind of um, I was thinking about when I was typing up the notes for this is that this must have made, I think this played a bigger role in Harry's psyche and his emotional state than people realize or what I would have considered before because I think it just so much like further isolates him because like we kind of talked about throughout this episode is Demon, Dean and Seamus kind of had to have been better friends with Harry than we see throughout this series and yeah. they must have had so many more moments. Like that scene in Prisoner of Azkaban where they're taking those like candies that make them like uh, make animal noises or act like animals you know we're all just kind of like hanging out I feel like that has to happen quite often you know (laughs) if a bunch of like teenage boys are hanging out on this like you know what I mean they have to have those moments where they're just like messing around and playing and having fun and so I think that Seamus being so isolated from him and kind of in effect Dean as well because Dean kind of he he never acts rude towards Harry or says that he doesn't believe him but Dean does hang out with Seamus more than he hangs out with Harry And so Dean is just kind of even further isolated. I feel like Dean is like, just kind of gives Harry looks like, I don't believe him, but he's my friend. Yeah, yeah, just kind of that. And I I mean, Harry definitely does pick up on that. And obviously, so Dean and Seamus are even more isolated from him and like the rest of the school is as well. So I think that just adds to Harry's heightened like emotional temper tantrumness that we see a lot in Order of the Phoenix. And I think that Seamus plays a bigger role in it than I would have thought before. And again, this is just me guessing. Um... But I think that he could have had just kind of that further isolation and like directly in Harry's room. You know, you always have to yeah. be on guard when they're you're in the same room as him. So yeah, and then a where are they now section for Seamus is there's literally nothing. I couldn't find anything. I mean, I assume that he could have also attended the 2014 Dumbledore's <laughs> Army reunion, but like I said, he was never really a part of Dumbledore, Dumbledore's <laughs> Army in Order of the Phoenix. So I don't know, but again, literally nothing. Okay, so now to talk about the two of them together, Dean and Seamus, Demus, <laughs> as they're called. We think. <laughs> I think that's how it's It's unclear pronounced. if it's Demus or Damus because both of them, like, Demus would be like D from Dean and then Seamus, but Damus would be just put a D in front of Seamus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so basically, they're the best bromance ever. I think they're better bromance than Ron and Harry. Ron and Harry are always fighting. Not always, but a lot of them. At least once every book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they become friends in first year, and it seems like they become friends pretty quickly. And they stay friends throughout. Dean, of course, attended the Quidditch World Cup with Seamus and Seamus's mother, as Katie was talking about earlier. And then 
even in Order of the Phoenix, when Seamus doesn't believe Harry about Voldemort's return, Dean does, but they still are friends. Like Katie was saying, like Dean still hangs out with Seamus, which is kind of weird because like now your friends like in this thing that I feel like it took up a lot of time, Dumbledore's army. Yeah. And what did Seamus did Seamus just like? lie in bed like when all of the Gryffindors were out at Dumbledore's yeah. like almost all of them were there he had the dormitory to himself and yeah. wow that, there's so many grammar, grammatical errors <laughs> in that sentence he had the dormitory to himself <laughs> so yeah it put a strain on Harry and Seamus's relationship but it didn't affect Dean and Seamus's and then Seamus of course finally joins Dumbledore's army in seventh year Dean did not go to Hogwarts because he thought he was a muggle-born, and so they're apart for the year, which is so Aww. sad. But when Dean returns for the Battle of Hogwarts, they reunite, and I think they, like, go running to each other and hug. It's really cute. <laughs> yeah. I don't, know if, I don't know if that's just in the movie or in the book as well. No, I think that's. I think that sounds right, and I don't think that happens in the movie, so. Yeah, because I don't think you see Dean show up. I don't think you do either. Okay. And then they're seen sitting with Aberforth after the battle, so they both survive. And this ship can live on. <laughs> Speaking of, this is a pretty common ship in the Harry Potter series. It was like, I, I like somehow stumbled on some page that like documented their ship, and it was like this is the twenty second most written about ship in the Harry Potter series on like, what is it, archive of our own or whatever? Oh yeah. <laughs> What? I was just gonna say that. Um, so I have two things to say. One is that this ship is doing is like alive and well because we have no information to prove yeah. that they didn't end up together. Yeah. Whereas a lot of ships like Harry and Hermione, we know that they didn't end up together. And then what I was going to mention earlier that I kind of like alluded to, but said I was gonna sh- save for this section. I feel like Neville must have felt so left out in that dorm Aww. because Harry and Ron were like be- Biffles, yeah. and then Dean and Seamus were Biffles, and then it was. I mean, all of them were friendly with Neville, but, but like, like he didn't have a Biffle. Yeah, he didn't even have like a close girl best friend. Like yeah, Harry and Ron had Hermione, but like Neville wasn't like Neville wasn't friends with Lavender Brown. You know? Yeah. I guess maybe that's why the whole like Luna Neville thing gets forced. Yeah. Because you never, I mean, I don't think we ever see him and Hannah Abbott interact in the series. If we do, it's very minor. Yeah. Okay, so back to Demas. Um, The actors both support this ship. I love it. So Devin Murray, who played Seamus, tweeted when Ireland legalized same-sex marriage, from today, Seamus Finnegan and Dean Thomas could officially get married in Ireland. Well done. And then it's the, like, Irish word for Ireland that I don't know how to say. Hashtag we voted yes. Hashtag we made history. I love Which that. Which is so cute. <laughs> and then they also, there are pictures of them singing karaoke together, which I will post these when this episode goes live because it's They're great. really, it's really cute. I love these actors so much. Any, any picture with Alfie Enoch in it, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Truly. And then... Um, at like a meet and greet photo op with fans, one fan like asked them for the pose to do <laughs> Dean proposing to Seamus. So it's like there's this photo of Alfred Enoch like on one knee and he's like kind of holding Seamus, uh, what is his name? Devin Murray's hand. 
and there's definitely a ring in that picture there's definitely too. a ring in the picture <laughs> i wonder if the fan brought the picture and then she's just in the background like really happy and i'm so i credit to this girl for thinking about this and it's so funny so anyway uh, they are very a very loved ship and even if you don't ship them romantically which i don't know if i do i mean it's alive and well but they're a great bromance nonetheless yeah and I don't think we've t- I don't think we've talked enough about this episode how attractive Alpina gets. Yeah, I mean, have you seen How to Get Away with Murder? I think I watched I watched at least the whole first season. I don't know if okay. I saw any past that, but I've watched like the first like three seasons and Lord, oh he's so attractive. I think I have like a vivid memory of the first time I realized how attractive he was. Yeah. So if you have like that Half Blood Prince on DVD, they have a great special features section like the best and i'm i love me some special features like i cannot count how many times i've seen the lord of the rings like full features and those are like hours long but he like there's like a segment that i think he hosts i'm just like lord Uh. (laughs) he's just got such cute dimples and he's in an episode of sherlock my favorite episode because he's in it just so attractive Hi, my name is Larry, and I'm a Slytherin. My name is Justin, and I'm a Slytherin. And together we host the Here's Johnny podcast, where we take a look at horror movies, TV shows... Oh, and games. We also have had amazing guests on the show that are directors, producers... And don't forget writers, Twitch streamers, and other podcasters. Yeah, and you can also check out our show every Monday. Just search Here's Johnny Podcast in your podcast app of choice. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Here's Johnny Cast. We are sure you will find an episode you will love. Maybe just like Ollivander's wands, an episode will pick you. So, for the pop quiz today, going off of the ship theme that we started, what is your favorite non-canon ship? Okay, mine is Ginny and Luna. I don't know what their ship name is. I'm not really into ships, I think but... it's probably Linny. Linny? Because Henny, I think Henny is... Isn't that Harry and Ginny? Yeah. Bunny? Looney? Looney. Oh, I don't. <laughs> um, so anyway, I think that they would be really cute together, and I think just the only basis for this ship for me, because I don't really, like, read fan fiction, and I haven't, like, read the series looking for places where Ginny and Luna should be a couple, but there's some great fan art with them, and it's really cute with, like, Ginny with, like, kind of her jock look, and Luna being all, like, whimsical. It's really cute. Yeah, I think that the main problem I have with that chip is I feel like Ginny just wouldn't have the patience. Yeah. To, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think you could kind of equate it to her and, like, Dean's relationship where Dean was, like, the more emotional, like, the needed, yeah. the more support, and Ginny's, like, not about that life. <laughs> I could see Luna, like, po- posing that same problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I can still dig that ship. <laughs> I also can dig a Ginny Hermione ship because... They spend a lot of time together at the borough. They're Just also <laughs> objectively better than Ron and Harry. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so I'm actually going to surprise Audrey with mine because I I knew, because we were talking about this beforehand, and I said one that was going to be my go-to, but I knew that there was one that I had more than the one I was going to say. So mine is Hermione and Fred. And I oh. actually really like this ship. Yeah, um, <laughs> and so I think a lot of the basis from this ship is, like, number one, 
a lot of people had kind of figured that Hermione was going to end up with a Weasley. And I don't, I don't know if I love the her and Ron relationship. Like, I definitely support it, and I, it's fine that they ended up together. I, I really don't have strong feelings on a lot of the relationships that end up from the series that are the yeah. canon ones. Sometimes with Ron and Hermione, I'm like, oh, they're so perfect for each other. And then sometimes I'm like, Hermione, you could do better. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I would be coming from. And just, like, how stupid Ron was throughout their, like, I don't know, just, like, not realizing his emotions sooner. Like, yeah. I understand, like, people can take their own time, but I don't know. I mean, Hermione literally could have dated Victor Crumb. Like, <laughs> come on, girl. <laughs> so I like the Fred and Hermione ship, and I know, and further, like, basis off of this is Fred is, like, the more emotion, not emotional, but, like, a little bit, like, kinder and less brash twin of the two. And I, like, one of my favorite episodes I'm looking up, looking forward to is, like, our Fred and George episode to talk about the differences because there are some that I didn't realize until very recently. And so Fred is kind of the more, like, chilled out, the more nicer one. Um, and there's, like, one scene in particular, I was just, like, looking up um, instances where this ship could be, like, pointed to throughout the series. And one is... In the sixth book, when they head to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes, Hermione, like, uses the punching telescope, you know? And so she gets her black eye. And so, like, her and Mrs. Weasley can't fix it, so she still has it when they go to Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. And Fred, like, tells her what to use and is like, don't worry, it'll work. Like, where George is kind of just, like, laughing about it, you know? And I just feel like they would balance each other out really well. They're both really smart. I think they both have, like... They're both, like, creative in their own ways. I just, I don't know. I could dig it. I just, like, Googled Fred and Hermione's ship, and the, I don't know the source on this at all, <laughs> but this Pinterest thing came up that said J.K. Rowling said she initially planned to put Fred and Hermione together, which... I saw that, too, yeah. Wild. Yeah, and I think that's where, like... So JK knew that she was going to end up with a Weasley. She just yeah. wasn't sure. And I'm not sure, like, when she realized she was going to pick Ron. Because it seems pretty set up from, like, pretty early on, I think. Kind of their back and forth Yeah, it says that in a Tumblr post, too. So, I don't yeah. know, maybe. And also, Fred, I think when Hermione and Ron face off in Dumbledore's army, which I don't know if this particular scene happens in the book, but, like, Fred and George bet, and Fred bets on Hermione. Yeah, I just think that... I think that the reasons why Ron is good for Hermione to, like, balance out her, like, seriousness, you know, I think Fred would be those things but better. And not, like, as Ron as Ron is. Yeah, and I think that Fred is just so much, like... Fred is so much more easygoing than Ron is, and I think that's one of the things that they like people point to as like where Ron is good for Hermione. He can like balance mm. her out, like a little bit more easygoing. But I think Fred's even more easygoing. And yes, they definitely like butt heads quite a bit. But I think it's more like debate wise, and I think that like some debate in relationships can be healthy. Like you don't want to agree on everything. You know where I'm coming from. Whereas I think Ron and Hermione butt heads on like personality level <laughs> like they're like who they are whereas Fred and Hermione just kind of like fight about school like oh Hermione thinks that Fred should care more about school you know what I'm I I'm behind this ship 100 percent yeah I like it yeah I think they could have been cute 
Rip. Yeah. Okay. R.I.P. Fred. <laughs> if, of course, if um, I made a joke before we started recording that, like, Dean didn't end up with Seamus because Dean ended up with me. And sadly, that's why Fred and Hermione didn't end up together because Fred ended up with me. <laughs> or because Fred died. <laughs> Don't talk about it. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> okay. So you should go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify to download and listen to our episodes, which for the remaining month and a half, month, I guess, maybe once this is released, will be released every Tuesday. And then in starting in September, we'll go back to every other Tuesday. And also, please leave us a review. We really appreciate it. It's great to hear from you guys. It really helps us grow, and it's always nice to see them. Yeah, and then you can also send us very nice words on social media. So you can find us on Facebook at Instagram as Wizard Studies Podcast and Twitter as Wizard Studies. Side note, there's some great content going on on our Twitter lately, I feel like. so. I think so, too. I think we've uh, upped our Twitter game quite a bit. And then if you have any suggestions for episode ideas or pop quiz questions or just anything at all, if you want to correct us on anything, I always accept that because I know that I say things that are incorrect when I go back and edit and I cringe. (laughs) If you want to correct us on things, please do. I love this podcast and I love doing it because of the like deeper understanding of the Harry Potter series that I get so if you could help me out with that that'd be great and then so you can email us all of that information at wizardstudiespodcast at gmail.com as always thank you so much for listening and remember just do your best we'll do the rest and learn until our brains all rot <laughs>